Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, Interim Chair of the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. With me today is Dr. Bill Maurice, the President and CEO of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. This is our weekly discussion with Dr. Maurice, in which we learn about updates in the field of laboratory medicine and pathology. Hi, Bill. How are you this week? I'm doing great. How are you? Very well. Had a lovely weekend. There were not a lot of mosquitoes out, and I think that's very relevant to what we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> so uh, that was nice when I was out in my garden. But yeah, mosquitoes, ticks, you know, things that we need to worry about. Yeah, in northern Minnesota, ticks with Gretzky mm. out. After I've learned from you, Parasite <laughs> Gal, he went by one little pine sapling that was in the ground, and he came out, and he had two ticks on his face, just to Aww. show how they're just sitting there. They're just out there hanging around. But unfortunately, they're not the only vector that's out there, and we're learning yes. about one here in the last couple of weeks in the U.S., which is something we haven't thought about uh, in the U.S. for some time. And so maybe we should talk about that. Yeah, I think we should. Um, and we'll talk about ticks and tick-borne diseases again, for sure. But the, what we've been hearing about now in the media are locally acquired cases of malaria in the U.S., Sarasota County in Florida, and then also Cameron County in Texas. And we are having people that have never traveled outside of the U.S. getting malaria, something that is very, very rare in the U.S. It is not endemic. So this is quite an unusual situation. Yeah. So maybe we should just, I mean, just for people to know, what does that mean? I mean, what, when someone, you say someone acquired malaria without traveling, where did they get it? And what does that mean for the area that they're living in? Yeah. Well, first of all, I should note that the mosquitoes that are in the U.S. are perfectly capable of transmitting malaria. It's just that back in the 1950s, we eliminated malaria from the U.S. In fact, most people don't know that we used to have malaria in the U.S., but through good housing, draining swamps, environmental control, mosquito control, good public health infrastructure, and of course, we had DDT and chloroquine, we got rid of malaria in the U.S., but the mosquitoes are still there. And if they are to become infected, let's say from an imported case, they are perfectly capable of passing it on to other people. So that yep. is probably what's happening, Bill. It's probably that people who traveled abroad brought malaria into Florida and Texas, and then they were bitten by local mosquitoes who got infected or perfectly capable of transmitting malaria and actually did so, went on to bite other people. So we now have several cases in Florida, and they're, they're working very hard on mosquito control to eliminate all those mosquitoes that might be infected with malaria, but there's still some out there, and we're still hearing reports of cases as of just a few days ago. Yeah, so it's, so it's important, right? I mean, so it's really... It means that there's actually infected mosquitoes like you would worry about if you travel to an area where malaria mm -hmm. is known to be endemic, right? Exactly. Um, and it's also a really important because probably a lot of physicians and healthcare providers don't think when someone walks into their office with a febrile illness in Texas, their first thing is going to be, oh, do you have malaria, right? Unless yeah. they're, so they, they really speaks to awareness, number one, mm -hmm. your point, number two, public health. So because we have eradicated this disease before, and we have to make sure we stay on top of it. And this is not, we heard about polio last summer, all these things. Yeah. And so a big mainstay again is diagnostics, right? 
Absolutely. You have to diagnose infection. So you have to order the correct test, the physician or the healthcare provider who's seeing the patient, but it ultimately comes down to the lab to make the diagnosis because the main symptom of malaria is fever. And we still have COVID circulating. We have other things that could cause fever. And it may be nonspecific enough that you really would, that's two very different diseases with different treatments, COVID and malaria. The physicians have to know what their patient has so they can prescribe the correct treatment. And as you said, Bill, no one is thinking, or at least before this outbreak, they were not thinking of malaria in someone who had not traveled outside of the U.S., So now our role as laboratory leaders is to help educate and provide that education to the public and physicians. So I've given a few media interviews already talking about when physicians should be thinking about malaria and then talking about what the correct test is that they should order, which in most places is going to be the gold standard thick and thin blood films, which you're actually quite familiar with, with your hematopathology background. It's very similar to the thin films that we use in hematology, just doing a CBC. Yep, that's right. I mean, when I was a trainee, which it seems we used to have a lot of questions on malaria and you're always like, well, why am I getting questions on malaria? But it's because to your point, it used to be endemic. So a lot of the older test questions for board certification in hematology would have questions yeah. around malaria diagnosis. But, yeah. you know, the other thing is you're t- as you're speaking, it just makes me think of what we've been through over the last several years and all the challenges that we had with COVID in terms of trying to maintain COVID. And there was a lot of questions about, does the CDC work? Where was the mistake? I mean, that was so overwhelming that I think people lose track of the fact that we have a very important part of our health care delivery in this country is this interplay between awareness around diseases, communicable diseases, making tests available so we can diagnose them and collaborating with public health to actually make sure that once cases are identified, we do everything we can to eradicate diseases, which start to show up on our shores. We went through this now with monkeypox, we're hearing about with malaria. So I think it's just important that there's, this is, especially now there's an act in Congress. It's, uh, pre- I think it's a pre- preventing- Prevent pandemics pre- or yes, something yeah, like that. Something like that, you mm-hmm. know, that to make sure that we continue to fund this because provide the funding because it's so important. The last thing we want is for these diseases to become endemic again and for for us having to be trying to deal with them. Yes, and public health is just of utmost importance. We've had a number of diseases throughout the history of the United States that have been locally eliminated that could come back. Malaria is one, yellow fever. We had places like Philadelphia would have these terrible yellow fever outbreaks. Talk about it terrible viral disease. Malaria can be really bad as well, potentially life-threatening. Fortunately, the type of malaria that we've been seeing in the current outbreaks is caused by the parasite Plasmodium vivax. So it's not the deadliest of the Plasmodium species to cause malaria. That would be Plasmodium falciparum. But even Plasmodium vivax can cause deaths If you get a really enlarged spleen and you have splenic rupture, that can be fatal. And it's certainly not a pleasant disease to have. No. And you feel terrible. Also, Vivax has the form that is dormant. It remains dormant in the liver. And it could come back months or years later if you don't appropriately treat it. So again, comes back to laboratory diagnostics, the foundation of the medical practice. We tell what the patient has and what specific species because the treatment for the different types of malaria is also quite different. So yeah, Mm -hmm. so a lot there. So just, it's important that we stay engaged, we stay aware. Our role is really to help educate, 
not just the public, but the healthcare community on how to use testing to really address these things and use it most effectively to ideally eradicate, you know, infectious diseases mm -hmm. or at least keep them at bay. So, yeah, I, I, so this won't be the last. There'll be nope. more and more of these coming around. But I don't, I don't have to worry about getting a febrile <laughs> illness that's cyclical with muscle aches and everything, which oh. malaria sounds pretty horrible. So Pretty horrible, uh, yes. So important we get out front and that people stay aware. Absolutely. I think they're going to get this outbreak right now under control eventually through mosquito control. But we will continue to have that role for the next introduction, the next travel related outbreak, or just the next novel pathogen. We will be there playing that essential role. Absolutely. All right. Well, All right. with that, I guess <laughs> we're off to back, to back to enjoying our barbecues and hopefully not worrying about malaria. Absolutely. All right. Have a great week, Bill. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday. <laughs>